Hi, Las Vegas. So Nucho Swanson here with our host, David Figler, and producer Leila Mohammed. Um, and today we're breaking format to talk about something that is on all of our minds right now, which is the shooting at UNLV. This is our episode for Thursday, December 7th, but we're recording this on the 6th at 6 p.m. Uh, because we wanted to bring you what we know in this moment now. So uh, thank you for joining us, and we hope that this episode is is helpful to all of us. David, Layla, thanks for being here late on a Wednesday evening. Um, my first question is just, how are you doing? Um, it's definitely a lot uh, for the community today uh, in light of this shooting. Um, UNLV is a hub of Las Vegas. There's so many people who go through there. We all know someone who either teaches or goes to or works at UNLV. Um, right. So I think the the whole community has their thoughts there right now. And, and you're an alum, too, a pretty recent alum of UNLV as well, Layla, right? Yes, I graduated in 2020. Hmm. How about you, David? Well, I mean, look, these type of events uh, happen all over the country. It's remarkably sad every single time, never gets less. And, and certain protocols have emerged um, on, on how we are like supposed to think about things and what we're supposed to say and, and, and what we're looking to hear. And it, it does have a, a sort of sense of emptiness around it. I mean, we, we do need to start uh, uh, because it is the protocol to put out our hearts to all those impacted directly by this. The right. term thoughts and prayers, you know, it, it, it needs to be said almost talismanically but it it doesn't have a lot of meaning for most of us anymore. Mm. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I, I you know it, it's almost like okay now we all fall into our roles of observer or a victim or a friend of someone, but it, it, it's hard. It's hard, yeah. and it, it, you don't want it to happen. And when it does, you, you just you do your best to deal, and that's what we're doing now. Yeah. yeah. How are you doing, Sonia? Yeah. Um. God, I'm resonating with everything that you guys are saying. I mean, like. Just David, what you were saying about like how does this become the norm now, and like yeah. the normal hu human reaction to want to empathize when that becomes repeated and repeated and almost like formulaic, it's unfair. What like cruel twist of the universe that our normal human impulse to express empathy itself becomes empty because we do it all the fucking time. Mm -hmm. right. So, yeah, it's. Um, yeah, no there's... less sincere when we as a team at CityCast say that to all who are listening um, and, and our hearts going out to all to help to the healing, <laughs> which has to yeah. happen. Yeah. But yeah, but yeah you're, we're, it is what, what it be, has become. Well, um, we've, we've been following the news the whole day. And uh, I guess at this point, you know, at uh, 6.15 on Wednesday, uh, what do we know about the shooting so far? Here's what we've been able to glean so far. Um, that there was a active shooter on the UNLV campus focused mostly uh, around Beam Hall. Um, it opened up on the fourth floor of that of that structure. University police appeared to be the first responders at some point shortly after the report of shots fired. Uh, there was some manner of shootout with the individual uh, resulting in his death. He has been described so far only uh, by age category, somewhere in the 60s, and a male. That's all we know. And as far as um, victims or fatalities, 
We have uh, gotten confirmation that in addition to his death, three other individuals at campus at the time of the shooting are deceased. Uh, One additional person is in the hospital, uh, just got upgraded from critical to stable. So that appears to be a good sign. Um, We know about the aftermath, the evacuation, the uh, check of the building, and they were able to reach the conclusion that all all was safe, but that uh, other facilities and institutions were shut down uh, as a, an abundance of caution to just kind of make sure everyone was going to be okay in places like um, CSN and, and other, um, like the airport had a shutdown for a while, that sort of thing. Yeah, and just to um, orient this a little around time, the first reports of an active shooter came in at 11.45, and Las Vegas uh, Metropolitan Police sent out on Twitter that they were contained at 12.31 and then deceased at 12.37. Wow, okay. Yeah, on top of that, it's a busy week for UNLV right now. It's study week with finals happening next week, um, and with the university closed for the rest of the week that we're not um, sure what's happening and um, our thoughts are with all of the students going through and juggling all of this right now. Mm-hmm. One other kind of like small tidbit that came out, uh, one of the reporters at the press conference, which was very, very short, I had asked what type of weapon it was and they didn't release that information, but Sheriff McMahill said that the body had not yet been moved of the shooter and that was as of five o'clock this evening. So that that's kind of interesting, too. That means uh, that it, it's an active crime scene uh, analysis area. Uh, oh, and and so for whatever reason, they didn't remove the body, apparently. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's not per se common, but also those investigations are very intense. Lots of photos, lots of gathering of evidence and information. Layla, you've been in, in contact with a lot of um, your people at UNLV. What have you been hearing from them? Yeah, so um, the fourth floor of Beam Hall is the marketing department. They were gathered for a faculty meeting uh, when they heard shots fired outside their door. And so they went into lockdown. um, And as far as I know, all of the people in that room um, are safe. The professor I was contacting let me know that they were evacuated by 1 p.m., Um, And I had another friend who was in a building around the law building um, at work, and they were locked down in a supply closet. And they um, were evacuated a little closer to 5 p.m. So it took them a while to, you know, go through all of the buildings, all of the floors, check all of the rooms. Uh, We heard them say in the press conference they had to breach a lot of rooms and get into them and find students huddled together. As of now, we're not sure if there are more people locked down on UNLV campus, but they are shuttling people to the convention center um, to be picked up and reunite with their families. Do you mean that your friend was locked in a supply closet for five hours? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, she um, she was texting us updates the whole time. Um, and, you know, during active situations like this, so much information is getting spread and a lot of it can be wrong. Um, so she was texting yeah. us updates of, you know, oh, I there might be multiple shooters and casualty numbers um, that were higher than were actually reported. Uh, and just so much information is coming into them on campus. Um, and it's so hard to 
filter through and see what's real until, you know, we get a press conference or just more information. And something that she had said earlier on in the lockdown um, before it was confirmed that the suspect was contained and then deceased uh, is that they didn't get an update from the police for about 20 minutes, uh, Mm -hmm. which was really terrifying to be uh, locked in that room with students and faculty um, not knowing what's going on. And we were sending her some updates that we were seeing on the news. And then once they got a little closer to five, um, they she told me that they started banging on a window to let them know that they were in there Um, because I think you know there's a lot of rooms a lot of floors and a lot of buildings on UNLV it's a big campus so um, they were trying to help the police find them in there and get evacuated David, I know that you also have friends at UNLV. What what have you been hearing from them? Yeah, well, I I mean, I was trying to assess. I have a very close friend who's a professor who um, was teaching in that building. He was safe. Mm -hmm. Uh, He had some fairly, you know, harrowing uh, account uh, of just, you know, how it just sort of happened so suddenly. I I was noting that um, uh, some students were, you know, praising that they were informed and others were saying that they weren't. And so it was very interesting. I mean, there certainly were a lot of the um, UNLV safety system hmm. definitely was in play. What did that look like? Yeah, well, I have a very tangential relationship with UNLV present. Uh, I developed a program um, that hasn't launched yet, uh, but um, that puts my phone number in in the thing. So whenever there's some big or event over at UNLV for public safety, I get a text message, and I got 33 text messages today. Oh, wow. Yeah. When was that yeah, last and, and text message, David, that you got? The last text message was, I'm going to, hold on. Yeah, and my last text message was at 5.46. So, oh, I mean, wow. it was going pretty late into the evening telling people to stay sheltered where they were uh, and that, you know, evacuation was was occurring. Uh, obviously, a very methodical and painstaking um, procedure. One of my friends, a uh, very, very close friend, is a, a different professor at UNLV, and his son is a student at UNLV. And uh, mm-hmm. he had indicated to me that uh, his son was locked down in a classroom and was really rattled. I, I think a lot of these students are going to be Super, super rattled, and um, yeah, mm-hmm. it's going to take some time. It's definitely a a generation that grew up, you know, training for school shooters like this. And um, I saw in some coverage and all the discourse out there, it's the post Columbine generation. Um, mm. And I had a lot of friends texting me like, "This is what we were worried about um, when we were on campus." And for it to actually happen, I can't imagine the students who are currently attending UNLV what they're going through. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, I have I have a friend who who's a professor at UNLV as well, and I actually um, had a chance to call him right before we got on our call. He said that his class started at eleven thirty, and the alarms went off, like the blaring alarms, almost like a fire alarm. Big messages across the screen that said, um, you know, like active shooter, and then uh, what is it? Um, uh, they said hide, run, fight in big letters mm. was the message there, which kind of was Yeah, that was the safety me. message. I got that one too. In I the text messages? Yeah. What is that? Where does that even come from? That That's part of the safety system. The part that boggles the mind to me is fight. Like why the fight part? 
So I actually, I did a little research because I, I, I don't think you were alone, Sonia. A lot of people mm-hmm. were commenting uh, in the various social medias like, fight? What the, what the hell? Yeah. Um, but that that's not an uncommon and certainly not unique to UNLV. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a protocol that has pretty much been adopted by every campus uh, <laughs> across the country. I, I saw at least 40 examples uh, in my research of schools that have adopted that mm-hmm. as the, as the, you know, instant protocol. Wow. Uh, it's short, it's sweet. And and I, I, I try to figure out where that had come from. And the best of my knowledge is that back in 2011, uh, in a community in Texas, there was a safety video and, and it was sort of floated there as being a very easy to remember protocol. Mm. Uh, oh. I mean, you know, you're always looking for that short term of a phrase, you know, duck and cover, you know, that sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, and, and so that sort of floated out in around 2011. By 2016, a lot of uh, big agencies had adopted it, uh, Homeland Security and others, and, and they were really promoting it. And the idea is this, it's, it's the order of protocol. Like mm-hmm. if you can get out of harm's way safely, that's your number one thing to do. Like get hmm. get the hell out of there if you can. If you can't escape or don't see an easy path to escape, then you should hide out of sight if you feel like you won't be discovered. But you know, if you're confronted with someone who intends uh, or appears to intend to do you harm uh, and you know, you have two options at that point, either absorb the harm or at least attempt to, you know, take the person down or, wow. or slow it down or stop it or whatever. And the criticism is that, you know, we're not trained to be fighters, yeah. you know, yeah. and a lot of us uh, will freeze in those situations and might make things worse. But uh, I understand the, the, the intent there is that, you know, when all else seems to have failed, don't just be shot. <laughs> if you can do something to try to not be, I, mm-hmm. I guess that's the the concept of it. Uh, but no one's encouraging anyone to like, you know, be, be a hero to take care of yourself first. I asked Mark what he learned about being on campus during a lockdown that you didn't know before. Can I play that clip for y'all? Yeah. Love to hear them. What do you think um, you learned about being on campus during a lockdown that you didn't know before? That you want to run, right? Mm-hmm. That you want to that that you want to run and you want to get as far away as possible. But I don't think that was the best idea in that moment because you don't know if the shooter's nearby. You also don't know if the police are going to shoot you for running, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, or anybody else. Like, what if there's uh, you know someone open carry and they're like shooting with the shooter. Like, there's just a lot of things where I was like, or there were a lot of scenarios playing out where I'm like, okay, we're going to have to hunker down. I, I watch a lot of crime TV shows and a lot of, like, the cliche, right, is like, oh, we ne- you never think that it could happen to you, and then it does. And I was like, I always think that it could happen, especially mm-hmm. mass shootings. I always think that it's going to happen, and it just happened. Like, it happens. We were all pretty calm and collected, and like I said, even at a moment, we were all in pretty good spirits. And there's there's something slightly sad about that, you know, that we all kind of knew that this was going to happen or that it was a possibility and that it was here and that it it was just routine and normal. And I think there's something really saddening about that. You know, even if it made us a little bit more equipped to deal with it, it was still very, very sad. That's an interesting point he makes. I think the normalization of this in our society uh, is something that's hard to deal with. For everyone, people in the media, 
um, observers, um, and of course, people who have to confront it and find themselves in these situations. Yeah. Well, um, I think that there's the specter of another horrible day kind of lingering over today, and that's, you know, 1 October 2017. We were all in Vegas on that day. Um, I'm curious, where are you feeling the echoes of 1 October today? I just want to say that they, they it, it's hard bringing up 1 October, and also it's impossible to not bring up 1 October. Mm. Um, they're, they're all the same. All these mass shootings are the same, and they're all completely different and unique. And I want to try to refrain from making too many references to October 1, uh, only because um, it, they are so unique. And, and to lump them all together, I think, almost diminishes the, the, the unique experience that those who experience this um, UNLV shooting have had to endure. I get the big picture. I get how they all fit in together. All other campus shootings, too. There's lessons to be learned from all of them, but I think we also have to make sure that each of them are treated individually and that we don't conflate different mass shooting experiences because it does diminish the emotions that we need to sort of sort out. Yeah, I agree it's hard to compare, David, but I think it's also hard not to think right. about that mm-hmm. when something like this happens again in our community. Um, oh, I did. I did too. Yeah. I mean, we do. And especially yeah. after... Um, seeing that press conference, uh, Governor Lombardo mentioned how he put systems in place after um, 1 October for events like this. And I think that just makes us not compare, but think about what the response was to this and what the response was to 1 October. I was a, I was a student at the time, and I know the um, UNLV police department got a lot of criticism for not alerting the students fast enough and not responding um, to something that was happening not on campus but near campus and that students could be affected by and were affected by. Um, And the response was pretty slow to that. So I think we saw some learning from that today in the quick response um, from the UNLV police department and Metro. But like I said, my friend on campus wishes that she got more updates. It's so hard because we need to learn from experiences like this while hoping that they never happen again. Mm -hmm. I mean, one lesson I know we do learn uh, from these prior experiences is that we do need as many facts as possible as quickly as we can get them because otherwise that vacuum of facts and data gets filled with conspiracy theories exactly. and bad intel yeah, misinformation. and that spreads. And that's really, that's really dangerous. Mm-hmm. And I was a little disappointed uh, in, in the press conferences, you know, at five o'clock Wednesday uh, that a little bit more information wasn't placed out there. And, you know, the sheriff addressed that directly. He goes, I know you all want this information. It's like, no, we don't just want it because, you know, it, satis- it satiates some weird interest that we have. It's so that these gaps aren't filled with bad intel, bad exactly. information, misinformation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so... Right. Which, um, Leila, you, your friend saw firsthand, yeah. right? Yeah, she was getting yeah. all kinds of reports. Um, and yeah. debunking that is it's just stressful in the moment and you kind of just want to pay attention to being safe, but there's all of this misinformation going around. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, there was a lot of, you know, 
patting each other on the back for what a great job they did. And I'm not saying they didn't do a great job. I think law enforcement here did what they're supposed to do. I just feel like there was more of an interest in making sure that they were being recognized for their efforts than giving us the information that would be really important right now. And that's unfortunate that that's also what we've kind of become uh, as we go through these things over and over again, I mean, a press conference where there's only three questions allowed and then they leave, why? Just be there as long as there's questions. Like, that should have been the, the way. But even me saying that now is going to be like, how insensitive that you're criticizing law enforcement at this really important time. And I'm not. I'm not saying that they are bad people or they did wrong. But, you know, we, we do need to flip the script sometimes on how we talk about these things, especially where information has not been fully disclosed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, we'll have plenty more press conferences over the next um, few days, I'm sure, and hopefully a chance to get a lot more questions answered. Mm -hmm. Um, David, Layla, thank you both for being here. Thank you for talking about this um, raw and difficult topic. Um, And thank you for being here for the listeners of CityCast. Yeah. Thoughts are uh, with everyone in our community and all those affected by this. And gratitude to all those who you know, sprung into action to to help those students and faculty and staff uh, and even visitors to the campus. That's all for today here on CityCast Las Vegas. If you appreciate the work that we do, please consider telling a friend about us. You can also rate the show, leave us a review, and subscribe to our morning newsletter. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city. Take care. Take care.